Hey folks, and welcome back to episode 5 of Wine Pressing Topics. I uh, hope you've all been keeping happy and healthy. Um, today we are back in the vineyard. We're going to be chatting to Tim Brown from MSAS Enterprises. He is a viticultural consultant um, with a specialty in high-density vineyard planting, um, which is what we've got him on to talk about today. He's going to fill us in on what high-density is um, how it impacts on vine root systems, um, overall quality, um, and whether it is worth all the effort. He's an absolute wealth of knowledge in this field, so it was a pleasure to have him on and have a chat. Um, let's get into it. This is a podcast about wine And all the little things that make a wine fine Play it when you have some time You can listen in your car on a tractor in the vines In the vines Today's expert is a renowned viticultural consultant based in Victoria who started his career in the cool climate area of the Macedon Ranges in the early 90s. Since then, he has gone on to establish and develop some of the country's most sought-after vineyards, including those at Bindi and Place of Changing Winds. He specialises in high-density planting and organic viticulture, employing techniques he's picked up from extensive travel to regions such as Burgundy and Barolo. He's also been instrumental in the push for Poussard method pruning, also known as soft pruning, throughout Australian wine regions in the hope of improving the longevity and overall health of vines. Today, he's taking some time out of his busy schedule to talk to me about high-density viticulture, a style of planting which is both traditional and groundbreaking, but it is certainly getting a lot of buzz at the moment. So welcome, Tim Brown. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Grace. Thanks for having me. Really, really great to be able to chat to you about this. Um, as you probably know, I work at 10 Minutes by Tractor. We have a, a high-density vineyard planted. It was one of the first, I think, you planted on the peninsula. Um, so it's great to actually get a little bit more information and insight into the idea behind it. So you'd understand it's not easy to work in a high-density vineyard? No, no. I do avoid it as much as possible, to be totally honest. But um, yep. the fruit that comes off it is absolutely incredible from what we've seen in the past few years. So it's it's really exciting to, to see it progress. That's good to hear. Yeah, so I guess to get started, um, in terms of high density, if you could just give a general outline of, I guess, what defines a vineyard as high density, what points they have to be at um, in terms of spacing and everything. That's that's an interesting um, that's an interesting discussion itself because some people would uh, maintain the existing row width and plant more vines on a linear basis, and that would be their version of high density. Um, Mm-hmm. which obviously gets around the problem of needing new equipment and um, rebuilding a vineyard completely. Yeah. Um, I, I guess there's no, ex- there's no exact right answer to that. But in traditionally in the old world, I think 10,000 vines per hectare um, of champagne and burgundy, the old one-by-one one spacing, mm-hmm. would be the um, – what that would be the baseline, I'd say. But there's certainly been um, – a bit of experimentation beyond that, both in Europe and in Australia. So in terms of when you, you're going out and setting up a vineyard, is that your definition or have you done various different levels of planting densities um, at different places? Oh, look, we've, yeah, we've done um, most of the newer vineyards we put in. We try and at least get to around 5,000 per hectare as a minimum. And um, mm-hmm. the block we planted at 10x, the Chardonnay block on the other side, um, opposite mm-hmm. the high density, that's at about that roughly that density using normal row width but 
um, we try and go a bit beyond 10,000. When we've got a new project, and we can, we're not constrained by equipment, uh, when we can get equipment that suits. I mean, in the end, that's the problem. The equipment that you need is very specialised, and if you're an existing uh, vineyard grower, then you'd need to duplicate your equipment in effect that's what we did at bindi we had we had a complete set of equipment for normal density vineyards at bindi and we um went out and we had to buy a whole another set of equipment so we've got two tractors two sprayers two of everything now to be able to farm in the two different densities yeah right. so it's it's not something you would do without having faith in the outcome and without having faith in the quality of the site mm -hmm. because obviously the site has a lot to say as well it's the density yeah no of course um, so I guess ideal circumstances, what, if you had a completely new block, what would you sort of lean towards in terms of that density spacing between vines and rows, um, assuming equipment you can purchase after you've planted? Yeah, I think um, we've, we seem to be landing at about 1.1 metres as a row width. Mm -hmm. And um, that means we can put a little tractor that goes in the row uh, rather than the over the row tractor that you'd need for, the net one meter rows, you would probably use an over the road tractor, which, you know, that's a whole nother price above a yep. small in the road tractor. So um, that's certainly something you could do. Um, but 1.1 seems to be a nice, um, you get the advantage of the higher density and you can still have a semi affordable equipment to run that, like, like 10X has, for example. Um, and then the quest, next question is how many vines per lineal metre, which then would give you the total vines per hectare. Mm -hmm. And we've tried um, different plantings from, I think um, Rob Walters at Place of Changing Winds, we put in 30 centimetre spacing oh up to 80 centimetres. And um, we've tried all those different scenarios between 30 and 80 centimetres. And I'd say on average, somewhere around 70 seems to work quite well. Uh, so, which gets us up to about 11,500 hectare. Mm -hmm. Hectic. <laughs> yeah. So I guess going back to, to the basics, in terms of high density, what, what is the whole idea behind using high density as a, as a um, concept? Is it quality the primary driver or what are you looking for? I think um, the, the idea is that from... A from the surface area of land you have, you mm -hmm. can crop a similar amount of fruit per hectare, but when you have so many more vines, you can have a lot less vines per plant or per root system to mm -hmm. achieve the same, um, the same outcome per hectare. And where high density is interesting is that lower crop level per vine tends to happen naturally because the competition is so high between all the vines, so close together. Mm -hmm. So the vine tends to naturally regulate the crop to a smaller crop. And we suspect that there's an increase in intensity of fruit flavor because in a normal vineyard, you might have 20, 25 bunches per vine. Yep. In a high density, you might have only six or eight or maybe 10 bunches maximum. We, I mean, it's early days, but that's what we think may be driving some of the advantage. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a big question because there's a lot of things going on. And in the end, a lot of it comes back to the quality of the site as well, because high density in and of itself won't make quality if the site's not a good quality site to begin with. So 
So in terms of, um, yeah, planting these vineyards, what, what do you look for for climate? Um, obviously in Australia, it's a fairly new technique somewhat. So obviously you've planted all over the country at this point, but what, what are you looking for when you're trying to um, plant a high density site? I guess what, what we think about is that if you think about the old world of wine and you think about the cooler regions um, Champagne, um, the Loire Valley, Burgundy. Mm-hmm. The density there is at its maximum, and then as the as the vineyards move into warmer um, areas, like in the Northern Rhone, and then down into the Southern Rhone, as you get warmer and drier, the density um, has decreased over time. And it makes sense because you would say that in the drier region south, you need a bigger vine with a bigger root system to be able to work in those warmer conditions. Mm-hmm. So I think over time, there's been a natural adaptation of vine density to match up the climate and rainfall and I think in Australia we need to think about the regions that are most like those cool regions in France and try and line them up as best we can like Mornington and Macedon Ranges would be two obvious regions that would line up quite um, in a similar way in terms of climatic um, data I mean obviously quite different in other ways but that would be that would be the logical starting point is to not try and rewrite the rule book completely, mm-hmm. but try and think about the lessons from the old world and how our vineyards should be planted. And I work with a few growers in Heathcote and we're working on bush vines there. Like we're not really thinking about density so much. We're thinking about some of the other ideas from the warm regions and planting, you know, with no trellis and yep. varieties that do well in the warm regions. So I guess then are you predominantly focusing on Pinot and Chardonnay for this high-density planting? Is that the varieties that it tends to suit? Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. Um, and obviously, um, I mean, the the whole idea of high-density, the discussion and some of the thoughts about it, um, Rob Walters, who owns Place of Changing Winds, he and I started travelling together in before we planted that vineyard. We started travelling to France every year. Um, We did about four or five trips before we planted the vineyard and we went there with the sole purpose of trying to understand the viticulture there and understand it. Rob's question was why is the vineyards in Australia so different to Burgundy? Like if if our benchmark for Pinot and Chardonnay is um, in the end, if we rate Burgundy as 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 the pinnacle of that wine, those wine varieties why are we um why are our vineyards so different so that was the i guess the the spark was to bring back some of that um some of the viticultural ideas and the density is definitely a big part of that and put it in our planted in our conditions to see how it translates so that was the that to me was fascinating so that was like mm-hmm. i was right into that when he put that challenge to me. I thought that was great. And then the challenge then is to adapt, mm. adapt those traditions without diluting them too much, but adapt them to our regions. Yep. And what did you find, like, the, I guess, in the old world, this style of planting is traditional and you'd see it all over the place. Did you find that people, there was any areas there that weren't using it? Obviously, you said the warmer regions, but in terms of Burgundy, is it just a standardised method of planting? And I guess in that sense, is is all of their equipment ready to go for that high-density style? It is. Um, it's interesting at the moment. There's, 
the traditional vineyard in Burgundy is one by one. So 10,000 per hectare is very yep. traditional. And that's the majority of the vineyards on the Cote d'Or, on the, on the better hill slopes, they yep. are planted on that basis. Some of the uh, Begonia vineyards on the flat, they're on more of a wider density, but they're better sites, they plant one by one. But the, um, there is a new push with some of the better growers there to really go much higher than that. So yeah, right. Olivia Lamy in St. Aubin, he's really putting in much higher density um, than that. And um, I think 20,000 maybe per hectare. And there's a couple of other growers that are um, that are trying. Um, it's interesting because they they don't see 10,000 as high density. They see that as a starting point. They're pushing up beyond that figure. So it's all relative. But the answer to the question is equipment and knowledge is very mature in that one by one spacing. There's tons of equipment. There's tons of experience. So when we got there, we just we learned quite quickly what was required. Yeah. And we learned that what we had was no good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. big changes. Yeah. And what sort of advice did they give you? Obviously, going over there with the intention of eventually planting your own high density vineyard. Were they pretty forthcoming with information and Obviously, it's very different in Australia, but overall? Look, I, th I think, I mean, I had a great advantage, but travelling with Rob, we were there visiting um, wine growers that he was importing the wine and bringing it back to Australia. So we had a, yeah. you know, we had a very privileged um, connection there. So that really helped immensely. Um, and then through that connection, I've met some other um, really good um, suppliers of equipment and I've met some good other producers and now you know having gone a few times um, it's now easy to um, just tap into the people you know and then they can open other doors for you but I think in the beginning it would have been difficult without having yeah. without having Rob's um, I mean Rob had been traveling to France very regularly for a long time so that was massive advantage. Nice a little work trip for you stuck yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah it's a nice, nice trip. We, we eat and drink well when we go. So that's Yeah, cool. I can imagine. It'd be rude yeah. not to. Um, yeah. So back to Australia, when you're planting these vineyards, what are some of the challenges you've faced? Obviously with these high density, one of the things that we found um, at 10 minutes is the, the humidity that you find within the canopy and trying to balance that um, because these vines are so close together and obviously also so low to the ground. Is that the main challenge or what else have you come across? Yeah, I think that's definitely a challenge. And I think, you know, we've had three fairly cool years, the last three vintages in Australia. So the challenge in for us in the high density has been, you know, it's been challenging in normal density vineyards and cool regions in the last three years. So I de it's definitely magnified. I think you can you could say the, the, um, the risk is magnified a bit with, with the vine so close together. But the other side of that coin is, in the dry years, I can see we can have some big advantage because we'll have a cooler, more humid vineyard while the rest of the areas tending to get quite dry and quite warm. I think there could be some interesting advantage with high density, with cross-shading of fruit and other canopy and the vineyard floor. Um, so I think we could see that definitely have to work harder in all years in high density. You have to work harder because yeah. if you miss a wire lift if you don't do shoot thinning well then you'll get found out yeah for sure i think it demands much higher level of attention that sort of vineyard yeah no definitely 
Um, and in the final yeah. wines, have you, you've obviously tasted a lot of the wines that have come out of here. Have you noticed differences particularly? Um, well, that's, that's a question I'd put to you as well. Like you've working in the winery there and you've seen, um, you know, plenty of Pinot from established vineyards yeah. at standard Mornington density. Have, have, you, have you seen anything in the wine yet to, to show difference? Yeah, I think so. I think um, this this year particularly has been probably the, f- the first that we've been absolutely blown away by the, the high density Pinot particularly. Um, I think it, t- it took us a, l- a few years to sort of get the hang of it. Um, obviously, it's a completely new concept um, to the people at 10 Minutes. So I think this year was the first year that we picked the fruit. It just came off the vine. It looked absolutely incredible. Um even at that point, um, but even now looking and tasting through the barrels, it's just a, I guess it's a concentration of flavour that we've, that we've found that we have, we don't see in the standard density plantings and just this sort of um, beautiful balance that is just naturally there. Um, Again, obviously it's, it's difficult to manage as a vineyard. It's one of those things that you sort of question, is it worth it? But I think this year we definitely saw the, the true outcome of that and that impact on quality for us. So, yeah, and the Chardonnay is a few years behind. Yeah, and it's, it's, a lo- it's a long game. So I think, you know, you have to um, let a vineyard go through its adolescence and find its way. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, 10X is a great, um, it's a great privilege to be able to taste wines uh, like that side by side. And we've got the same situation at Bindi because we've got normal um, density uh, wines that we've made for, Michael's made for like 30 years of Block 5 and Original Vineyard. And we've got six years now worth of um, high density um, in the cellar and bottled. And we've been able to watch, follow the evolution of those wines and the evolution of the vineyard. And there's definitely been, our sense is we're making really great wines sooner with the high density Mm -hmm. than... Um, and it's not necessarily that they're like next level to the block five or original vineyard, but we feel that they gain um, power and structure sooner. Yep. If we could go back in a time machine and understand and see block five as a five-year-old wine next to block eight, which is high density, as a five-year-old wine, that would be tell us more than what we know today. But, um, yeah, we, we have, we'd have similar feedback, you know, more detail in the wine more intensity um so it's encouraging because it's a lot of work so yeah we're um, definitely encouraged with what we've seen so far no that's good yeah i think the the same thing with our chardonnay block we had our first crop off the gabrielle vineyard this year and even that which is a first crop um is you know standing up against some of our um better established older much older vineyards so i think yeah it is definitely encouraging and very promising for the future definitely I think one one thing that um, a few people have said to me, which I think makes sense, is that high density vineyards can fast track root development, root depth, and mm-hmm. root depth comes with vine age, and it also c- can come sooner if you plant at that density. That seems to be what's going on. It seems to drive deeper roots sooner. So, if nothing else, we could say that deeper roots could pre- should generally produce better quality wine than shallow rooted um, vines. Um, And that may be what is driving that. We've done some soil pits at Bindi and had a look at how deep the roots are getting and they are getting, you know, down past a metre 
Um, yeah, right. And they're on young vines. So, yeah, pretty incredible. And do you find that even in some of the wetter sites that um, that's likely the case? Because obviously, if you have um, soil types which are high in clay, which you do see a lot of across Australia, even in Main Ridge where we are, um, obviously the vines aren't as stressed and aren't needing to create those root systems. Do you think having those vines at high density is is still worth it if you've got that available? I think it's 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 complex because I think there's other things at play. I think um, ploughing versus herbicide. I think if you were herbiciding and you were overwatering a vineyard and you were using chemical fertiliser, I think yep. you, that sort of scenario would encourage the vine to be quite lazy and have shallow roots because it doesn't have a reason to go deep in the soil. But if, on the other hand, if you're using organic fertiliser and using undervine ploughing, you're cutting superficial roots when you plough as well and you're helping that process for the root development to go um, deeper sooner. So mm -hmm. I think it's not, like everything in viticulture, there's lots of things at play and density is part of it, but it's not all of it. Like I think if we ran our vineyards using herbicide and chemical fertiliser and all that, we wouldn't see as great an advantage in quality which would make sense. Yeah. So that's something you recommend then to potential clients is if you're going to plant this style of vineyard, you probably do need to run it somewhat organically. Look, I would say that regardless of density, I would say that if yeah. you have a vineyard that you're running using chemical inputs, regardless of density, if there was one thing you could do to improve the quality of the fruit would be to look at getting off that and using other methods of weed control and other methods for nutrition. Mm -hmm. I think that regardless of density, would be a, uh, a very important thing to do and consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, in terms of the fruiting zone, one of the things I've noticed about our vineyard is that it is sitting, I think it's like 30 centimetres above the ground or something. So it's pretty, yep. pretty low. Is that part of that spacing again? Is there a reason that it, it is that low? Um, I think, like I said earlier, when we started thinking about the high density, how our vineyards would look and be built. We didn't want to stray too far from what we saw when we travelled overseas around Burgundy. We wanted to try and stay more or less true to the one by one. And what we made some concessions, obviously, because we have slightly wider rows, 1.1. We have slightly taller posts um, than they use in Burgundy. And we obviously have drip, drip irrigation. So it's not, it's not a pure... Um, it's not a pure transformation of Burgundian viticulture to Australia. We've got to be realistic about our climate and what we've got to deal with and manage. Yeah. It would be much easier to put the cord on wire higher and it would be more comfortable yep. to be less complaints. But we yeah. never envisage putting these vineyards in because we want things to be easy or comfortable. And I'd say, I'd say in fact, that probably most of what we do do is uncomfortable and not easy. And Definitely. that's yeah. not necessarily a good thing but it's i don't want to change everything just to make it you know highly efficient highly mechanized it gets away from the point the point is to try and bring some old world viticultural techniques yeah no it's definitely humbling method of, of viticulture for sure it makes you be very one-on-one -on -one with the vines at that height which is i guess all part of it <laughs> And I think too is you almost need to, um, it's almost gardening rather than viticulture. Like yeah. when you're in those small vineyards, you're so close to 
having a hoe and chipping weeds. Like you may mm -hmm. have a mechanical cultivation system, but you're not far away from that. And, um, you know, that is humbling. <laughs> That's about as humble as you can get. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I guess for someone that was looking at doing this style of viticulture, is it is the only way to do it to start from the beginning, as in plant it out like this, or if you have um, a vineyard already planted out, is there a way of transferring across? Yeah, so it's at Paul Scorpo, um, we did put a new row down the middle of an existing vineyard row, oh, yeah. but the existing vineyard was only one year old, so we had one year old vines, and then we ripped and installed another row of trellis in the middle of each of those rows. So, and that now makes his best wine, his best Pinot, right, okay. that little block. And that yep. is, um, but because they're only a year apart, it wasn't a difficult thing to do. But I think if the vines were a long way apart in age, it could be maybe difficult. I've never done it other than that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that, I mean, that was, now if you walk into that vineyard now, it's, it's, you're hard to tell the difference. Like, you wouldn't, if you said, oh, which, which row is younger than the other, it's, you can hardly tell. Yeah. So six years on, it doesn't show. Yeah, and making good wines from it too. Yep. So, yeah, I think, I think you have to be realistic about it. I think you have to understand the extra work involved, the extra, like, it's five times the density um, of yep. plants it's five times the work and five times the cost to set up and in the end there's no there's no massive um, extra yield you'll yield a, a similar amount of grapes to a normal um, vineyard so I think you have to be have a lot of faith in the quality of the site and really have an ambition to want to I mean Martin de definitely you know have had that ambition to want to do that and it's not going to suit everyone and it doesn't mean that you can't make great wine out of um, out of standard row with you can definitely. But the question is, if you've got a really great site, yep. if you plant it at high density, whether you could reach a slightly higher level of quality, everything else being equal. So that's that's a fascinating question. Whether and it's probably too soon to say whether you can or can't. Well, from what I've seen, it looks again very promising. So yeah. It looks promising. It does. I agree. It looks promising. So, and there's more. Um, there's two or three new projects that are on the in the early stages that will um, that will have a lot more wine to talk about in a few years and make that judgment. It's it's not for everyone, and it doesn't mean that um, vineyards planted in a very traditional Australian method aren't valid or aren't going to make fine wine. You know, if if they're on great sites and well farmed they'll make great wine so yeah no it's, it's an exciting time I think definitely um well I guess the last question that I like to ask everyone that comes on is if you are stuck on a desert island and you can only take one wine with you what would that be oh that's <laughs> that's a tough <laughs> question um I guess um I guess we would like to bring some wine that we've made and we're proud of. So it might be from 10X high density or it might be, there's a very, um, very diplomatic answer. Yeah, that is very diplomatic. But it might be a wine from, um, a wine from Place of Changing Winds or Bindi. But I guess because we put so much effort into these vineyards, yeah. if we could in a few years line up some of these wines and just, you know, reflect on the effort and the, 
that's gone into the the projects. Any of those wines would be uh, would be good company on a desert island. If you do get stuck, we'll send you one from each vintage. We'll we'll keep them coming. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. Really, it's obviously really interesting. And again, we're I'm very excited to see um, the, the outcome of our high density plantings, and I'm sure there'll be more and more planted as the years go on in Australia. So I think thanks for I guess being part of it. Thanks, Grace. That was um, was good to chat, and thanks for having me. Thank you. again to tim brown for coming on today um if you want to find out more about him you can find his website at msasenterprises.com.au um otherwise his instagram is uh at high density vines um as always before we go uh this episode was recorded on bungarong country and in the spirit of reconciliation we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Look forward to seeing you next time. This is a podcast about wine And all the little things that make a wine fine Play it when you have some time You can listen in your car on a tractor in the vine in the bar